your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free and ensures you never miss another episode. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our lockdown rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. On tonight's episode, I thought I would recap a very fun game between Toronto and Winnipeg and then talk about something else that's been ongoing and does actually impact the Jets, and that is Vancouver's COVID situation. We'll discuss how that actually has impacted Winnipeg's schedule and what it honestly means for the rest of the Canadian division because I have a feeling COVID is going to continue to be an issue as we start to enter what looks like a fourth wave over the next few months. But before we talk about the future, let's talk about the past. And last night, Winnipeg actually had a very good outing against the Toronto Maple Leafs. From the puck drop, you could kind of tell that both teams were very offensively dialed in. Winnipeg and, and Toronto were definitely up for really fast counters, some really good in-zone offensive possession, and aggressive attacks towards the slot area. What I did like from Winnipeg is that the Jets actually let their defenders activate a little bit more frequently. This is something that's not always been the case, especially early in games. Not everyone activates from the blue line. They definitely were a little bit choosier than you might think, but generally speaking for the Jets standards, they were fairly active. The Jets kind of have to follow this style a little more frequently because, let's be honest, when Winnipeg allows its defenders to sit deep and not really press the advantage, the Jets' offense just isn't as good. I, I like to see when guys like, you know, Neil Pionk and Logan Stanley, heck, even Dylan DeMello activating, I think that these guys are all capable of creating an, an extra outlet or some chaos down low. Just having that extra physical presence on the back end, especially for forwards who are pinched in deep, gives the Jets a lot more options, and really it's, it's part of a necessary aspect of offensive buildup. On the broadcast last night, they were talking about how Toronto uses their defenders effectively to participate in offensive play, which is kind of a strange thing because, let's be honest, every NHL team is supposed to do that. Winnipeg is honestly more of an outlier when it comes to how their defenders engage in play, so it was very refreshing to see more aggressive puck carrying, they drop below the face-off circles more frequently, and they took part in more offensive rotations. That's the stuff that I like to see. As far as the goaltending was concerned, that was probably the biggest story of the period. You know, Toronto and Winnipeg definitely had a couple of moments where they could have conceded, but thanks to some really strong goaltending from Jack Campbell and Connor Hellebuck, the period ended up finishing nothing-nothing. And then into the second period is when things kind of shifted a little. I would say that Winnipeg was probably fairly even in the first period, give or take a little bit of opportunity here or there, maybe even better at times. In the second period, the Jets had a really good start, and then they started to trail off a little bit. Toronto got a few questionable makeup penalties, and of, of course on those power plays, they didn't really score. But just tiring out Winnipeg skaters tends to have a really major impact once Winnipeg is back at even strength. And so, 
You know, the Jets, after a good start, started to trail off. They started to lose control. The defense was starting to move around a lot more, and not in the way that you want on these offensive rotations. More of the variety where they start to lose their positioning and maybe get knocked around a bit, which is, it, it is something that you have to accept with this Jets defense. It's not super shocking. We're basically used to it by now, very much veterans of the fact that Winnipeg doesn't really defend super well. This led to some really hairy moments where Toronto was just tearing apart Winnipeg's slot, and that's not super surprising. When the Leafs have really good puck movement, especially down low, you're going to concede quite a few opportunities. Thankfully, Connor Hellebuck is an absolute beast in net, but what is funny is that when Hellebuck ended up being the one to surrender a goal first, it was actually from a point shot that, frankly, is something he doesn't really struggle with. Goalies always have trouble when it comes to, like, tipped point shots, especially ones that are tipped right at, at sharp angles in front of them. This one wasn't even touched. There were three jet skaters who seemingly filtered into a column, and there was, like, a shooting lane that Travis Dermott just seemed to wrist from, from distance, and it wasn't even that hard of a shot, but somehow Hellebuck just got caught sliding a little bit, wasn't really expecting it, and it ended up beating him pretty cleanly. It was a bit of a stinker, but I think you can forgive Hellebuck for conceding something like that when he's probably not expecting a point shot to beat him that cleanly. He might have been anticipating some sort of a deflection, but either way, not a great one to concede. And then Winnipeg was in some, you know, a small amount of trouble, especially defensively, but thankfully they started to create a couple of odd man rushes the other way. And then they actually didn't connect on most of these opportunities. Either Paul Stastny might have missed or somebody else would miss. It was a little bit frustrating. For some reason, Toronto's rush defense didn't really seem to adjust at all, and finally Winnipeg got another 2-on-1, this one with Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp, and they actually scored. Lowry fed a great cross-crease pass to you know Andrew Kopp, who really deposited it home with no real trouble, and just like that, the game was tied. I would say that it was a fairly deserved scoreline. I think both teams were pushing a lot. Toronto probably deserved to be up by maybe an extra goal or two. Thankfully, Connor Hellebuck being really technically sound and big in his net makes a lot of the close-in chances very hard for him to actually lose track of. He just seemingly stops almost everything down low. Being a big man of his size and able to, you know, consume a lot of the shooting angles, especially near his pad level or when you're trying to elevate over his frame, just doesn't give Toronto's shooters many opportunities. You have to hope for like a really squeaky goal or just a really amazing release from a, a good shooting angle in order to find Hellebuck's very few vulnerabilities. Overall, for the first two periods, I thought the Jets were okay, certainly a lot better than they were on Wednesday. It wasn't like a perfect game, but by Jet standards, I thought it was fun, it was very watchable, and it was an effort that I would say Winnipeg could be proud of. You know, the second period notwithstanding, most of the game was pretty good. Um, the second period, I felt like the Jets started to cave a little bit, not super surprising. We do expect that to happen from time to time. Thankfully, they didn't let it get to them too much. And they have a guy in net who, you know, certainly deserves a shout for the Vezina down the road. Even if he's not really the leading Vezina candidate, I would say he's probably like a top 10, top 5 candidate. But a bit further down that list this year. That said, you know, he's been a rock in net and tonight he was really putting on a show. My big question was what would happen in the third period? Would the Jets finally break the deadlock or would Toronto come rearing back and end up tearing the Jets apart? Before we reveal what exactly transpired in the third period, I did think you should hear a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. Online betting is always a risky affair. You need a safe, trusted, and reliable place to do it. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. Even if you're not a sports fan, BetOnline has your back because they cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV. With real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, whether you want to bet on the next Stanley Cup champion or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next. 
BetOnline is also your best source for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets possible. It's the only destination you need for everything related to sports and online betting. Getting started couldn't be easier. Just go on over to betonline.ag on your desktop or mobile device, and when you register for a free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping a game between Toronto and Winnipeg last night, which was, of course, a fairly eventful, low-scoring affair, but one that was certainly plenty of uh, plenty of action to discuss, not exactly a sleepy, tiring game. Before I tell you how it resolved, though, I did want to tell you about why Locked on Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And now on to a third period in which both teams were really pressing high for a goal, but honestly did not find that goal-scoring opportunity to put this game away. And it wasn't because the opportunities weren't there or the shots weren't being taken. It was more like Jack Campbell and Connor Hellebuck making some fabulous saves to keep the scoreline at 1-1. Campbell in particular was absolutely ridiculous. He had to stonewall Paul Stastny and Kyle Connor on some absolutely grade-A, bonafide goal-scoring chances, somehow managing to rob both of them. His puck tracking, especially down low and on cross-slot passes, were just phenomenal. I mean, Campbell was playing out of his mind, quite frankly, and I think he has definitely cemented himself as Toronto's lead goalie. If this is what Jack is for the next couple of weeks or even months and beyond this season, the Maple Leafs are going to be a genuine force. As decent as Freddie Anderson can be, I think most people know that, to be honest, he's not quite the goalie that he was projected to be when he signed his contract. There were many folks who were a little bit skeptical at the time that he would in fact be a lead starter in the vein of somebody like Connor Hellebuck, and of course, Anderson has never really touched those levels of uh, goaltending performances. Freddie is like a solid number one, but not someone who I would really rely on in terms of uh, goaltending levels that are, are frankly elite. He's always been in the good tier, but but somebody like him is maybe not quite what Toronto needs. You know, you need a really excellent netminder if you're conceding a lot of opportunities off the rush, which Anderson hasn't been great at handling before. Campbell just seems to have answers for everything, and it's really crazy to see how good he's been. It's actually funny because he was talking about him and, and Hellebuck discussing things a lot, and when Campbell was coming through the league over the past couple of years, he apparently talked to Helly all the time and, and said that in many ways Helly was kind of like his mentor of a sort, so it's kind of funny to see them now play each other and maybe they'll face each other in the postseason too, which if that occurs, that's going to be a crazy goaltending battle. Both teams are going to be very tight, and I would expect a series of fireworks should both teams actually face each other. They probably won't at first. I mean, the first round is probably Edmonton versus Winnipeg and then Toronto versus whoever takes spot number four but it will be an entertaining battle if we actually get to see it. That said, after the uh, the crazy third period in which both teams really had some extremely high danger chances that were saved, the, the Jets and Leafs then went to overtime. And to be honest, things started off okay for the Jets, but then a really weird penalty call on Pierre-Luc Dubois ended up putting the Jets on the PK. But like most of Toronto's other power plays on the night, it just wasn't that threatening. There were a couple of good scoring chances, one in particular that Hellebuck had to stretch his right pad to, to miraculously rob, but the rest, not so dangerous. I didn't like the penalty call in particular because it felt like this was a tripping call that was basically a missed holding call at first. I mean, the guy had his arms wrapped around Pierre-Luc Dubois' waist, and and Dubois needs to do better here. He needs to let that puck go earlier, but, you know, he then turns around and accidentally trips somebody, and that's the one that gets called. So, not really a fan. The officiating on the night was a bit rough. Um, Not, like, super biased or anything, but I just didn't like the nature of the calls that they did award versus the ones that they allowed to go because it felt like they constantly had 
many tripping calls that they ignored, or there were lots of other stick infractions that they just let go, but then Winnipeg would get called on it late. Thankfully, though, the Jets ended up holding on to that extra point and tried to get point number two in the shootout, but because Hellebuck and Campbell are so good, only one goal scorer actually emerged from either team, and in this case, Toronto had that lone goal. This one coming from the stick of Jason Spezza. Wow, you know, of all the guys that have, like, amazing shooting talents on this roster, Spezza being the only goal scorer is kind of crazy, but... The Jets uh, actually did deserve the point. I thought that they frankly deserved two as well on the whole, not because they were better than Toronto, but I think that they had a number of great goal-scoring chances that they could have put away if Campbell had made a single mistake. Did not happen, though. So, on the whole, very impressive game. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, Usually against Toronto, it's going to be one of two things. Either the Leafs kind of trample the Jets, or it's a really closely fought, really good in a fun, fun experience, and this was the latter. Josh Morrissey had a much better game. Um, I thought Connor Hellebuck was great. The only things that I didn't love, uh, there are a couple of things to nitpick, I guess. Um, Nikolai Ehlers, I felt like, wasn't as good as he usually is. He just seemed like a step behind plays, and in overtime, it felt like he wasn't really engaged. There were other sequences where I felt like maybe he just was a step behind the play or wasn't really getting to the spaces that he needed to. Dubois was also pretty bad. I felt like he was basically a non-factor throughout most of the game. A lot of it to me seems like he always expects the Jets to be in certain offensive positions that they would ordinarily be in systems that are more aggressive, but they aren't there. The problem is that Dubois seems to still make those passes anyways, even though there's nobody to actually receive it, so it ends up becoming a turnover, and it's just... I feel like Dubois needs to do a little bit more than what he's showing right now. It's not like a situation in which I can say he's completely responsible, but I I do think that he also has to adapt and improvise, and thus far he's just really struggling to find a fit here. It's not like he can't do it, because we have seen him be a a bit of a beast at times when he's feeling comfortable and he's feeling confident, but thus far, a bit of an inconsistent start. Same for everyone involved in this trade, you know, Laine and Roslovic not doing so hot, but it would be nice to see PLD turn into the second-line center that he's been billed to be. So we'll see if that uh, transpires. If not, maybe he needs to be put back at wing. Who knows? Unfortunate result for the Jets on the night, but I felt like it was a very hard-earned point, and I was happy. I was impressed with the game. I thought it was fun. I would love to know your thoughts, so let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. Give me your hottest takes about the game, um, but that will do it for our thoughts on the recap. Up next, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff from the upcoming schedule, especially now that Vancouver's games have been canceled. Before we go any further, though, I wanted to let you know about why you need to be tuned into Built Bar Madness. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Built Bar. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar on the market. They're amazingly low calorie, low sugar, high in fiber, and high in protein, and best of all, they taste phenomenal. There are tons of great flavors and textures to choose from, but when it comes down to what, you know, Built Bar is the best flavor of all time, there can only be one true winner. Over the weeks, I've been telling you about Built Bar Madness, the tastiest bracket challenge in the entirety of March. And after weeks and weeks of hard-fought battling, a winner has been crowned in the championship round. Your victor is Coconut Brownie Chunk, defeating Cookie Dough Chunk and countless other challengers on the road to become the true championship leader. Congrats to Coconut Brownie Chunk. I think a lot of people were probably rooting for Churro Puff to win out, but somehow Churro Puff got eliminated in the second round of the competition, and Coconut Brownie Chunk has persevered throughout all of these weeks to win the championship title. Just because Built Bar Madness may be over doesn't mean you shouldn't restock anyways. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and use your promo code LOCKED15 to receive 15% off your next order at checkout and restock on all of these winning flavors. Hello and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out today's episode with some thoughts about Vancouver's recent COVID outbreak and what it means for the Jets. 
So uh, the whole COVID crisis has impacted Winnipeg's schedule, at least early on. So we'll talk about that that hockey stuff first, because I think the personal stuff is actually way more important, and I'd rather spend more time on that. On the hockey side of things, of course, we mentioned earlier that Winnipeg's games over the weekend were canceled. Um, but instead of not playing at all until Thursday, the NHL has actually moved up one of the May games against Ottawa to Monday, which is good for the Jets. It'll give Winnipeg some, you know, stuff to do in between and certainly doesn't leave them super rusty. And I think, honestly, competitively speaking, it is fair. You know, everyone else will be mostly playing games and maybe it slightly reduces the back end load for the Jets. On the personal side of things, I think this COVID situation has been very ugly. You know, I've seen a lot of people joking about it and coming after the Canucks players for it. And I just don't really feel like that's acceptable. You know, these guys are often put in very difficult situations where a single infection can really escalate rapidly. And by all accounts, you know, the Gaudets who have been publicly tweeting, at least uh, Michaela Gaudet has been, um, it it sounds really ugly. I mean, Adam doesn't seem like he's doing well. Michaela's not doing well. I gotta be honest, man, COVID is really scary stuff. You know, I, I often reference this one um, case that I, I was familiar with in terms of pro sports from RB Leipzig, you know, the football team in, in Germany. They had a star young Korean player, Wang Yichan, who got infected while he was overseas doing his military service for South Korea. He got infected, and it, it, it was bad enough that he actually could not physically exert himself because there was risk of cardiac damage. You think about the number of pro athletes out there who constantly have to exert a lot of uh, stress on their bodies and what it does to the musculature and their organs, and if you have a situation where you can no longer do any of that, it's a situation in which your career is genuinely in jeopardy, and that's not even to say anything about the risk to your own personal life, you know? I, I just feel like the amount of, of stuff that I've seen about this and some of the really negative attitudes and, and frankly horrific comments and jokes and stuff just really makes me realize again that we frankly didn't deserve an NHL season. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we're watching hockey, but by the same token, I'm also very worried about the long-term impacts that this will have on a lot of the players. We know that there are guys who have had some mental health issues because they've been super isolated. They're only seeing their teammates. They're not really seeing many family members and stuff, I would have to imagine. So that kind of stuff is very isolating. Somebody was joking about some of the players from the Philadelphia Flyers being single and, and certainly lonely during this time. And I just was like, I don't really think that that's all that funny. You know, I, I sit at home and I, I can't really go out or do anything. You know, the gym isn't really safe right now. And, and certainly despite many Marylanders and other places getting vaccines, it's just not really a foolproof measure. And so I, I, I'm kind of worried, you know, obviously the vaccinations will, will help a lot of folks with the spread. And also anytime they actually get infected, it'll prevent loss of life by a, what would have to be a fairly significant margin. But people still need to take this stuff seriously and practice all of the social distancing measures that we've been going through for like a year and a half now. You know, it all it all sucks, right? We don't want to keep doing this, but we have to. And to see the outbreak caused by the Vancouver Canucks is very concerning. You know, if these guys weren't doing their due diligence as well, it's very unfortunate. And they may put everyone at risk. You know, Travis Hamanek left Calgary in, in lieu of his daughter's health, thinking that he really shouldn't be playing in the NHL and risking exposure. And of course, he, he decided to force himself to come back. And now the Canucks have a horrible outbreak that maybe puts him and his daughter at risk. So I, I just, I'm sort of baffled by everything and I'm very concerned. Um... I think the NHL should probably consider a pause in, in activities, at least in the, in the North Division. If it's not happening elsewhere, I, I guess that they'll probably play out the rest of the schedule. But if, if Canada is not really handling vaccinations at the rate that everyone else is, which that does sound like it is the case, then it's time for the NHL to maybe suspend North Division operations. 
Oddly enough, it might actually put them on schedule with the rest of the league because plenty of other teams had to postpone their games earlier in the season. I don't really know what the right answer is, but it just feels like the way that the NHL is going about it right now isn't good enough. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the COVID situation and if you think the North Division is doing it right, or if in fact the league needs to adjust course. That is going to do it for today's episode, though. Um, Before you lock off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS League. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!